This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Pinyard, head coach at This Naked Mind, and I'm here with a naked life story. Today, we are talking with Lisa. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good morning. Hello. How are you, Scott? I am really good. You know, one of the things that I love so much about these episodes is just like, getting this sort of overall story of someone's journey from when they made the decision uh, that I got to do something about this and all the ups and downs that come with it. Um, I worked with you, just full disclosure, like I worked with you toward the end of your journey. I'm still working with you. Um, But I'm excited because I want to like really dig in and learn more about the early days. So why don't we get started? What do you think? Cool. Great. So I want to back up all the way to the beginning, you know, whenever, you know, your first drink, like where did this all start for you and kind of how did it go from there? Oh, wow. That's a long time ago. Um, So we're talking about like a 30 year drinking career and it goes back to, I don't really remember when I had my first drink, but I know it was part of what was uh, the culture of the Australian culture of fitting in. So I remember being very early days of my, uh, I started working when I was about 17, 18 and in in an office culture. And it was huge to uh, fit in. You went down to the local bar at lunchtime and uh, (laughs) you don't do that anymore. And uh, you just did it to fit in. That's, that was huge part of the culture. Yeah. It, t- could, it escalated a lot through my working life because um, I used to choose jobs where I had a lot of stress because I liked to feel needed. I was a huge people pleaser. And you'd, I just picked jobs where that was the case, that I was always in a position where my contribution meant something. And it's a weird kind of fix, I guess. Um, but it came from my childhood. Of, uh, I had a fairly fractured childhood. So that all ballooned into my adulthood. And, and then, it, yeah, I just, then I started, if I could pinpoint, I, I have one job that I could wish I could go back and say, this is where it started, where I was drinking for stress and for coping. And then uh, I had, uh, still had parental issues. Uh, so I, I drank for stress over that. And um, it kind of escalated. I, it didn't seem like it at the time, but it, yeah. I, when I look when I look back now, I, I can see the pattern of behaviour getting worse and worse and worse. And certain levels became you you were sort of pushing boundaries. What was not acceptable before, or you didn't think that you were um, there was something that you were talking about recently that um, you were sort of saying, oh, you wouldn't think that you'd push that boundary because I'm not that kind of a person. Right. But then you find yourself, oh no, that's that's um, 
oh, no, just I'm move the goalposts. I'll just yeah. move the goalposts. So I just kept moving them and moving them and moving them. And uh, eventually, oh, my health suffered um, a great deal. I ended up, uh, uh, what's the word? I ended up uh, estranging from my family for my own mental health because then I was fighting anxiety and depression, um, which the alcohol was not helping, but I thought that it was with the age-old cycle. And, um, yeah, my health started to suffer. My marriage started to suffer. Um, my work, where I was really reliable before, and it was so important to me because I think this feeling of being reliable was also stemming from my childhood where I had an unstable childhood. Yeah. And I always wanted to, if I said I was going to be somewhere or do something, I, I always, I still do it today. Uh, I'm there, you know, my word is everything. And uh, that stems all the way back. So everything just, I didn't really ever drink just for one reason, but it all, it all escalated. Every reason yeah. escalated. I, dealt, I used it to deal with life, with everything, uh, births, deaths, marriages, the whole thing. And yeah, my marriage was on, I, as I said, I became a very unreliable employee. Um, I, my marriage suffered um, and the man deserves a gold star um, <laughs> because he's, he's stuck around um, through it all, but a lot of people would have walked away. So yeah, um, I was not easy to, to live with in the end. And I did nearly uh, die at one point, which you would think would be enough of a rock bottom for anyone. Mm. I was in hospital for two weeks, um, mm. pneumonia, diabetes, an enlarged heart. Um, yeah, and then it was still another couple of years, nearly two years before I decided that um, when my health, I did get myself, a, I healed through all of that. Uh, but then I started to... Um, go through it all again and because I thought when I went through that I went oh but I can moderate right it's fine yeah <laughs> so you know I went, I went through a lot of yeah a total it was oh it was just awful but then I still came out of it going but that's okay I've learned my lesson but I can moderate and uh, so but then you find that you're just doing the same thing all over again and then I got to a certain point and I went oh that's when things really really got bad with my marriage, with my job. Yeah. Uh, and I just went, and on top of all that, I don't actually think that I, my body can go through another um, recovery of that again. I honestly yeah. didn't think I could do it. So I just woke up one day. Sorry, that's a very long story. No, it's not. But, actually, um, I want to ask, I want to ask you a few questions about it. There's a few things in there that you said that I think are so relatable. Um, so just talking about the, the social aspect of like picking it up from work. Um, you know, that, well, I see that manifesting with people in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's like just social anxiety, kind of like, how do I fit into this existing culture? Do I, you know, like, how does this work? Um, but then over time it kind of grows. So I'm curious yeah. if that was your experience and like, oh yeah, how did you, how did you find that it actually helped you at a certain time? And like, did you, were you aware at the time that that's what you were doing? you know, that you were, that you were going down this road? No, no, I had, uh, I was, I was, it got bigger and bigger because as I changed jobs and got more responsible jobs and yeah. um, then it was an even bigger culture, uh, you know, but I, I didn't get corporate. I was, I was an executive assistant that I, I um, 
got more higher and higher responsible jobs. But it was just, um, but then of course that culture did change that you didn't go out at lunchtime, I suppose, but then it became an after work thing and on the, you'd yeah. socialise on the weekend. And, and um, but at the time I had, I had no awareness that I was doing anything uh, that was really at the end was going to impact on, so, so heavily on, on my life. See, that's uh, the thing was, for, no no, idea. sorry to cut you off, but like, that's mm. the thing for me that I think is such a big takeaway from what the story that you just talked about, because it was my experience as well. Um, I graduated college and I started working in New York City. So like young guy moving to New York City. I mean, this is what we did, right? I worked yeah. in a department full of other young guys. We did still go out and drink. I mean, this was 2003, 2004. Um Hopefully my old bosses aren't listening, but like we did, we would go out and have beers at lunch, you know, and then we would yeah, go yeah. out after, after work too. And like, it was, it's so funny to think about, cause I think a lot of people get trapped in this, in this cycle through this, this sort of mechanism, but like looking back, it's so clear that that was destructive, but at oh. the time there's no sense of it. No, because everyone's doing the same thing. You're not doing yeah. anything different. You're just right. doing what everyone else is doing. And um, but you know, um, we had people that we worked with that we considered heavy drinkers. Everybody knew who they were. <laughs> we didn't consider ourselves, you know, one of one of them. Um, mm. And so it was so bizarre. And it didn't even occur to us that we could have become one of them. You know, it was. Yeah. It's so weird to think that you didn't see it coming. You just, yes. you just, you just not until you're really in it, and then you're on the other side of that, and then you, then you've got the people talking about you, and you go, oh, I think that I might be the one with the problem now, you know. So right. yeah, I, it was. It, you just don't see it coming. You, it's just, it just creeps up on you. You're just doing your normal life, uh, and there's, and then you do get little voices in your head saying oh, maybe this you should sort of cut back or and then you're you're in it's too late you're, you're yeah. in a, a cycle of but this is what I used to cope and I had yes. no other tools so I right. uh, you know this is before this naked mind came out uh it, it didn't come out till I was into my first year of uh, alcohol free so I'm there was nothing here at that at that time to so what are what are some of the things you tried? I mean, so you kind of, you get to a place where you recognize this. And again, this is another really common struggle where people are mm -hmm. like, I need to do something. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, but this is how I cope. Like mm -hmm. how, how do I take away this thing that I, I almost feel is required? You know, Annie talks about it like alcohol. She says that she really felt like alcohol was the duct tape that held her life together, you know? And yep. so when you get to a point when you realize that duct tape's hurting you, like we try different things. So I'm kind of curious as some of the things that, that you might've tried or, or worked on to, to change it. I, I was, I'm an only child. So I've always dealt with things by myself. So I never really, my doctor would say to me or various doctors, and I've had the same one now for about 25 years, but before then, uh, and even in my blood tests, you know, you get your annual blood tests and stuff. And he would start coming back to me with, Oh, this is, this thing is elevated and that thing's yeah. elevated. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. I can do, deal with this by myself. Uh, what did I do? Um, I, 
white knuckled it. I, I thought that's what everybody did. I thought that you just, um, you know, Australia is a little bit um, don't whinge, don't um, just get on with it type of thing. Yep. Um, so it's like uh, just deal with it. So just just don't do it. And then I tried not to do it. And, of course, that didn't work. So, Easy, right? Yeah, just don't. Yeah, just don't. And, uh, you know, people would come back to me and um, that knew that I was having struggles and and they, why don't you just stop? And I go, wow, if it was only that easy, oh, well, I could just stop, you know. So it's like, oh, wow, you know, and they don't, you know. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I had no tools. So I just tried to stop literally you know, um, mm-hmm. and just white knuckle it through. And I, I, I totally get the, the day one uh, syndrome that you get into because it's just day one again and then it's day one again. And I had uh, no one, I, I wasn't totally honest with my doctor despite my results um, progressively getting worse over the years. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, oh, yes, I'll, I'll take care of it and don't worry about that. And he actually had a, I'm very lucky, the guy that I've got, and I've had for so long, he actually, by the time I got to him, he uh, has a counsellor's hat as well. So, wow. uh, but I didn't take advantage of that. And because uh, I can do this on my own, I'm all right. I don't, I don't need any help. And I struggled for a long time. And I tell people now that I come into contact with, the best thing that you can do is reach out because that was as soon as I let go and this happens to me all the time. I could tell you a, a ton of stories that every time I let go of something, the floodgates open and yeah. things change for me. But um, so, yeah, I, I just I didn't have any tools until I finally got sick enough one day and and just I had had I'd started to have a few conversations with my doctor, but I still hadn't said help me. But I just woke up one day and I couldn't do it anymore. And I just thought I finished off the bottle of scotch at something. I already had an appointment with my with him because I'd had more time off work and needed a medical certificate. Yep. Because uh, by this stage I was just drinking so heavily, I was just blacking out and passing out all the time. And uh, yeah, and so I finished off the bottle of scotch. It was the last one in the house. And I woke up one day and I yeah, just went, can't do this anymore. And I, I was like an hour early for my doctor's appointment, walked up to the reception because the ladies there knew me very well. And um, this is there all the time. And I, they took one look at me and just ushered me into the nurse's uh, station area and, and to wait rather than sit in the waiting room because I was really quite ill. And... Um, and I just went and got him and just said, she's here, she needs you to come out now. And, yeah, it was, I just said to him, can't do this anymore. Um, wow. I don't know what I'm going to do. Don't know how I'm going to do it. Don't know if I can do it. I just know that I've done this for several years now, day one, day one, day one, and I just, I just can't do it. So he, I'm so lucky, he actually is all about changing your thinking to change your behavior. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he was just awesome. And uh, he actually said, I think I need some help with you. 
So I'm going to send you off to a psychiatrist who specialises in alcohol abuse. No shame, no blame. I, I wish that I had trusted him sooner. And um, then I went and saw this other guy. Between the two of them, both of them were of the same ilk of uh, changing your thoughts and your beliefs, why you're doing what you're doing. I delved into so much um and yeah change i mean you know i mean i get i get that part of it really i i i did it on a when i say a surface level i suppose it wasn't then until some months later then annie's book came out and then while i'm certainly no expert but the why behind how you get to that point how the brain mm-hmm. changes and and how you can I mean, there was, it gave me hope. I knew I was healing and I knew that I was changing. I was getting the alcohol-free days clocked up, but I still didn't know really, was I going to do this long-term? I didn't know if I had it within me to do it because I didn't really believe in myself. And I think it wasn't until I read her book that I went, oh no, I think this is actually going to be possible because when I understood the real whys behind it, it all just it was like a missing piece. Um, as great as the work that these guys were doing with me, uh, they I certainly changed my, you know, saved my life. Uh, but it was when I had the whys behind it, because I've always been a, a why person. And uh, I've always, I've, you know, it's um, not been good to me to have that mindset sometimes because I've got to sometimes just let that mm, expletive go but um you know i i do i am someone who needs to know and understand why something has happened and that book yeah. just you know suddenly just fell into place so yeah it all started really, from there that's really interesting how you kind of said i did it on a on a surface level um you know that's something i remember i've worked with multiple people who have said similar things to me so like how do you know, like, how did you know at the time you were doing it on a surface level or like, how no, do you, how I, do think, you I think that? I think what I mean is I was certainly healing and I was certainly making progress. Um, but I think really, and, and I did start to do that working on my thoughts and, and my beliefs and how they're interconnected. Um, and so, but I don't think I really understood and, and, I really started to delve into self into self development myself, and I think possibly when I got Annie's book, I I while I was still getting therapy, I tended to move. I still see the I don't see the psychiatrist anymore, haven't for a long time, but mm. I still see my doctor slash counselor. Um, he's really into this stuff, as you know. He's really interested in Annie's work as well now, um, but. I suppose I now see it as when I say surface, it's enough to get the patient going and getting them on the healing pro, um, yeah. the journey of that. But I think I just didn't really understand where all that was coming from. And maybe yeah. if I, maybe if I really sat there and asked him about it, maybe I was really progressing towards that. But the book sort of showed me what I didn't need to ask him. Uh, so then I understood more. And then I suppose that when I say it was surface and, and that's enough to heal, um, I suppose. But because if you're someone like me that just needs to know the why, then that was even deeper for me and that made it sort of click. Uh, so it's probably fine 
to, but I just need, I, I'm one of those sort of people that just needs to understand more, so. Yeah, and I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, like for some people, changing some of that surface level stuff allows you to, to go alcohol free, but then the work is to keep going, right? Like the idea of just changing that surface level stuff and then living alcohol free, a lot of times, especially for someone who has, and like I was in this boat too, has a lot of other beliefs and thoughts and scripts or whatever you want to call them that we're operating off of that were contributing to my desire to drink. Um, that the idea of, all right, just changing some of my thinking and quitting drinking, stopping there, doesn't really get us to a place where we are like fully living our lives as much as we could, you know? And that's what it sounds like you're describing. I mean, there are some people, I mean, and everyone, obviously everyone does this differently. Some people work on all different levels of belief right up front. Other people, you know, like me, and it sounds like you kind of chip away at it and then get to a place where they can really dive in later on down the road. I think that's really what gave me a certain, uh, I did feel like I'd let it go, like I'd had a freedom from it. I think that if I had continued, I, I think I might not have, I, I don't know. I, I can say I might have returned to drinking perhaps yeah. even, but I think it just solidified and it was, it, it just made it obvious to me what I was doing to myself and and the repercussions of what I was doing. Went, oh, okay. Now it's really, it's really settling it in. It's really, it's really um, the information was really boom. It was wasn't just, you know, yes, carry on and do that. And 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 I, not not to say that maybe that's what my counselor was going to do anyway, but I I that's what they were working on was this level but then I sort of I really did need to know the nuts and bolts of it uh and then then it made sense and then went okay now I know what I'm really doing now I understand about you know all these patterns of behavior and and that I can keep moving forward that what I'm doing is actually it is changing things it really is and I just understood it more as to what was happening and then I believed it and Mm -hmm. I think I think it until I believed it I knew I was doing it, but until I believed it was actually making a difference and yes. then I really was changing it, I was doing it, I was in control, um, then I believed it and then here, you know, there was the freedom. That's amazing. amazing. So you found the book. Uh, when did you find the book? What year? Do oh, you remember? Uh, probably the first year, uh, whatever the first year. It was 2015. Yeah, yeah, 2015. Yep. Mm. And then, yeah, I, I just latched on to, I don't the universe just Facebook. When, there was no sober community really at that time. So I was latching yeah. on to anything that sort of just dropped into my lap and the likes of um, Annie's Facebook page and then later on her Instagram page and then her podcasts. Um, that was what I sort of uh, latched on to in those early days. And I never did uh, a live alcohol experiment because by the time that those were running, I was pretty much into my own routine. Mm-hmm. And I was just I was just doing listening to the podcasts and uh, lis- listening to what she had to say on the Facebook page, videos and stuff. I, and then you came along and, and you were doing yours and I went, oh, this is really good. You know, and I, it really kept me motivated. And I had life still happen, but I was I was learning new skills all the time and new tools. Now, once I um, 
opened the doors to a different lifestyle, uh, I felt really quite settled. Yeah. Um, and as I say, I had life things happen to me. Life wasn't rainbows and unicorns, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I was just, I, I could just handle things better. Yes. And uh, so life went along really well. Um, and then about into about year five, uh, I, I hadn't heard of the past before. I know you've talked about that it's had other iterations, but uh, it hadn't, for some reason, that part hadn't crossed, crossed my, my Facebook world or anything like that. Um, so I started to hear about it, I think, around the same time as um, I, I had been estranged from my family for over 20 years. And I'd had the odd piece of information come through from uh, well-meaning relatives uh, who were really just interfering, but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> that's and, a whole um, other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so I had things had filtered through to me. But um, anyway, um, my mother died in February last year. Hmm. And... Um, open up all the floodgates of all the things that I had um, healed from, put in a box, put the tape the box up, put the box on a shelf, put it away. And uh, I just I just contacted my counselor, contacted a, I did what I my lesson was that I, I when I learned to reach out for help, um, I like to think now that I try to remember to do that. And this time I did it instead of trying to struggle on my own. So the first thing I did yeah. was ring him. And so I had a big talk and she was, um, I'd been told this before, but now she was in a, in a hospital uh, that she was dying. I'd been told that before and that was a lie. So before I got worked up, I rang the hospital and said, what's really going on? No, she really is dying. And I went, oh, okay. And, but she, between getting told that and uh, it happening, it was like overnight, it was very quick. And uh, I had no real chance to respond. And I had already decided that I wasn't going to, um, apparently she was unconscious anyway. So there was no point in me doing the bedside thing. And, and but it did open up a whole can of worms over um, my abandonment issues and, um, oh, a ton of stuff that I thought I'd put to bed. And uh, I got through that. And, but still a couple of months later, um, I still felt I was wobbling in my um, sobriety. And I was really upset with myself that I felt like this after so long. And uh, then I was getting uh, in my news feeds and stuff, uh, information about um, how the past was starting up in June and it was coach led. And, and I went, oh, I don't really need coaches. Um, you know, but I could probably do, you know what, I thought probably I've gotten complacent and what I could probably do was, is revisiting the content again. And because I'd never done a live alcohol experiment, uh, uh, experiment, I thought, well, this would be my way of revisiting the content and just a reaffirmation of, uh, you know, of getting stable again, getting, getting my expletive together again and um and just just you know becoming whole again uh yeah. despite all the therapy that I, I i've been getting again and um started the path and you know i don't really need anybody uh, i don't need any new friends you know um, yeah. 
I didn't <laughs> I didn't get the grasp the concept of um, community um, really not in this environment and started the path wow what a difference I immediately I felt like I <laughs> so bizarre I felt like I'd come home straight away straight away it wow. was I didn't say a lot in my early Zoom calls in my group because I was really, um, it was new to me, the whole Zoom thing. And now I Zoom is my life. I, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> what a great time to pick up Zoom. <laughs> so unbelievable. It was just as the pandemic was all hitting. Oh, well, because by June, it was, we were well and truly into it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I was still finding my way with Zoom. So I didn't say a lot. But I listened a lot and I learned so much from, uh, again, even though everybody in my group came from different, had arrived in the path in different journeys, uh, and you're never going to find someone who has the exact same journey as you. So um, you sort of um, got to leave that behind. The idea is that everybody has had, in some essence, has had the same journey because you've all... Almost everyone you speak to has an issue over their self-worth or, um, you know, feeling good enough. And it's, that's quite bizarre. Do you think you're alone in that? And then someone's always had some kind of life-altering experience that makes them feel the same way as you, even if they haven't had yeah. the same parents as you or the same life experiences, but you feel the same way. And... Then I underestimated the value of the coaching because uh, I understood now the difference between, because I went, I've had therapy. Yeah. Fantastic guy as he is and still is. I understand now the difference between the therapy and a coach. For me, and, and this is how I ex- try to explain it to people, therapy is the guy that I go, go to to sort out my crap from my childhood and why I am the person I am today and how I got there and then my coaches said okay this is what we've got it's like a piece of clay this is what we've got to deal with now what are we going to make going forward what are we going to what are we going to create going forward this is what we got to work with and let's you know mold it in a certain way, see if that works and, you know, what, what hits the fan and what doesn't, what resonates, what doesn't. And <laughs> yeah. then, you know, and let, oh, let's remold it and let's go again, you know. And it's, it's all about creating the future me, I think. Uh, so it's, but I also, I remember seeing the, um, a while into the calls and I had started talking to on calls and stuff and, so people knew my story. Oh, and there was another life event that started just after I um, had this group. Um, my husband had a stroke within a couple mm. of weeks of Man. starting in, in the past. And had it not been for this group that I did, even though I was quite shy at first, I, I realised there were people I couldn't. There was an innate sense of trust between us. Yes. Between the, the, between the coaches and in the group. I, I just felt that um, it took me a little while, it took me a few, couple of weeks, which is a long time for me. <laughs> but um, I, um, by the time my husband had the stroke, like still in June, um, I still 
I felt that I could come to calls and be vulnerable and tell them how scared I was. And because we don't have any children, it's just the two of us, always has yeah. been. And in a lot of ways, it's been him and I against the world. And uh, I wasn't going to cry, Scott. You always make me cry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I let myself be vulnerable in this group. And they lifted me up and, you yeah. know, got me through. And I stayed alcohol-free. And when our group, we'd gone through all the content of, we initially started with 100 days. And mm. we went through all the content and we were, become, we were going into a new group with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember saying at the end of that group um, that that group helped me, I think, get through all of the, the stuff that I went through. They helped me heal from earlier in the year and they helped me stay alcohol free. Um, I don't know what I would have done uh, yeah. without that group. So the sense of community is outstanding but the coaches I remember one coach saying we had we had two um and one coach said to me I said I don't understand why I wobbled I know I don't I you know you have this you always tell us not to have shoulds or you know and I I should have been better equipped I had the tools and and she said to me you did have the tools and you used them and you and you use them when you were supposed to use them and you reached out like you never did before, which was, an, in a sense, another tool because yeah. it's a behaviour that I hadn't, I hadn't done in the past. And, and then she said, so you did all the right things. And then she said, but it was also a first. And we talk about the first, and this is why I love how the path is now 12 months because I do think it's really important to have someone navigate you through all those years yes. for the year of all the firsts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first birthday, first wedding, if you know, first funeral, <clears throat> excuse me. But for me, even though it was five years down the track, I had, and I'd had some, I had, a, had had all those firsts. So I had a wedding at a winery that I got through. <laughs> That's another story. And um, yeah, and, uh, but I went, oh my God, she's right. This was a first, the death of a parent, no matter how much you think that you're prepared, mm-hmm. um, it's, 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 it's different. Uh, it's the person who brought you into the world. And no matter under what the circumstances are, there is still grief to go through. Yes. Um, there's still anger to go through. And it was, that was okay. And my feelings were okay and valid. And, and here we go. This was just a first and I went oh and I think that was the difference of a way a coach just navigates I don't know it was so subtle and yeah. it probably doesn't sound like much in the retelling of the story but at the time it was like boom well it it absolutely does it absolutely sounds like a lot because I think that the thing that a lot of people a lot of people will react to coaching in the way that you were talking you did like ah, I don't really need that Um, and, and I mean, I did the same thing, right. When I quit and then I became a coach, but like you start to recognize as time goes on, how that sort of outside perspective, both from the coaches and in the community, 
um, really shift things for you, you know, and your journey, which I find very interesting is that you, you know, five years plus, maybe almost six years alcohol-free before you even get on the path, right? And there was still something there to to mine. There was still somewhere there to grow. And you've heard oh, me talk yeah. so many times about, you know, it's the endless layers of the onion, right? It just yeah. keeps going and keeps going. Yeah. And the thing that coaches can help you do is give you sometimes a big tweak. Sometimes it's just a little phrase or it's just something yep. that yep. gets you to be able to take that next step. Yeah, so it was I think subtle. that's perfectly accurate what you were talking about. I've seen it a bunch. Yeah, it was so subtle. And it was, and when she said it, it was so obvious. And I just went, oh. And it was like, <laughs> I can let go now. I, yeah. I've got my, yeah. you know, when I talk about how I need to know why, you know, and it was just like, oh, now I can let go. And I just went, yeah. oh, okay, moving on now. Okay, I got it. You know, and that's it. And it was, yeah. And that was it. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You earned your money today. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's been an awesome experience, and and I've I've had times where I've thought, oh, I'm okay. Um, I I'll leave the past now. And I go, oh no, but I all my friends that I've I've made here, and uh, now I've met new coaches, and I I. No, and then I got involved in uh, the connection calls and whether I participate or whether I'm uh, hosting, mm. I just really enjoy um, just sitting and listening to people. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic just to be, to continue the, the growth journey. And I don't know, I think you, the past just needs to live forever because none of us want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of us in my, you know, having gone through the alive content, which, which was awesome. It really yeah. uh, was it, it talking about, you know, delving deeper. I mean, there were things that I had read about but hadn't applied them to myself um, or, you know, in my own journey of self-development, there were things that weren't always uh, new to me, but they were new as applied to myself. Um, yeah. And and forced me to look at things. Oh, excuse me. That's not crying. That's my voice. <laughs> excuse me just for a moment. That's all right. Oh, oh. But, um, yeah, uh, so that was fascinating. So, um, and then to be on that journey with the same group of people as we all sort of uncovered things about ourselves was fascinating. And then, but, yeah, none of us, we get to, got uh, down to a group of still about 40 of us that don't want to go and we're just... Yeah gaining so much we learn from each other uh, so much and we um, learn again still from our we've got newer coaches now we've gotten getting to know them and they're fabulous and so they have from their own experiences uh, passing on golden nuggets of uh, absolute amazing wisdom uh, yeah so it's a it never stops uh, evolving and you never stop learning new things so none yeah. of us want to go because we're still still going oh and this week we learned you yeah. know even though we've officially finished the content it's um it's a, still an amazing journey yeah that's incredible and you know i just i love that i love that it unspooled over time for you right because mm -hmm. one of the questions i get a lot from people are like why is the path a year long um but i can you know like your journey that was 
you know, years of, you know, doing the surface level work and then digging a little deeper and then digging a little deeper. Um, that's our goal, right? Mm. Is to get us to a place where we're not just alcohol free, but where we're enjoying alcohol free life. Oh, you know, and so that was much. something for me at the beginning of my journey that I thought was impossible. I honestly thought quitting drinking was essentially a life sentence to misery, missing out. Um, holy crap, was I wrong? Um, but <laughs> you know, but it's like it's hard to see until you go down that road, you know. And that's what yeah. I find with something like the path, where you know, where people participants are helping each other down that road. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's a great experience, and you and because you're. When you help someone, it's just uh, life affirming, you know. And so, and I, I too thought, and I think that's I was trying to explain myself about you know surface um, things that you're learning about yourself. But I think that was it. It was um, you know you you just you think it's just about stopping drinking, but yeah. it's uh, it's really not. Uh, I mean, it's huge, obviously. But when you do the extra work and you delve a little deeper and you go and it's it is kind of weird if you're open to it to doing the work it's not work but it's it's um the doors that open and the doors yeah. that have opened up to me i cannot explain how many uh, that's again another podcast that you could the doors <laughs> that have opened up to me since i uh, all i and and i was only saying to someone yesterday all I all I did was stop drinking, and yeah. yet it's been so life changing, and I'm a I, I'm a different person I than I was five six years ago, and never expected that the bonus out of that that I would become stronger within myself and resilient and. Uh, more resilient than I thought I was going to need to be uh, after last year, but uh, but you know the the key is the reaching out to your community uh, mm -hmm. and like-minded people. Uh, you know because as helpful as I had I had some people rally around me. The but the so it's not to say I didn't have help, but when you come when you come to a group of people who get you because they understand how you're trying to navigate life and not reach for alcohol when you're going through the death of a parent, when you're going through a sudden traumatic health incident. And you know, I mean, I wasn't going through it, but I had to be the support for him. And yeah, and, and they, people outside of that, that's the first thing that they would do is like, oh yeah, you know, get home and, you know, drink. What a day. Because, yeah. yeah, what a day. You got home from the hospital and blah, blah. And um, yeah, and you know, it wasn't that I, I mean, there was a couple of days where I, he was in hospital initially for a week and then he had to go back for some, a procedure to close a hole in his heart, which is how the clot got through. And uh, so he's back in for another day for that. And I remember going past bottle shops here on the way home from the hospital and went, man, the old me would just go zip. But oh, yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, wow, it would have been really easy, but by the same token, I knew that I had to be up again the next morning, listening to doctors, you know, finding out what my husband needed, 
what were the nurses saying about overnight? You know, I had to be on point. And I just went, gee, I'm glad I'm not going to go down that path again. You know, I can't, I can't do that to him. I can't do that to us. And he needs me now more than ever. I mean, he's always been my support, but now he yeah. needs me. And so, yeah. I, I, yeah, and I just went, I'm so glad that I'm not going to, I'm just, it was just, didn't enter into it. You just, I just, I had the thought of the old me would have done this, but I just went, wow, I'm so glad. It was so freeing um, to well, just go. Yeah. Speaking of the old Lisa, um, I want to ask you a question. We are just about at time, and I want to ask you a question we like to end <laughs> that we like to end these episodes with, um, which is this: If you could travel back in time and talk to the Lisa that was just getting out of hospital after two weeks, and that was saying, "You know what? I can moderate. Like I can handle this." Um, what would you want to tell that Lisa that you know now? Wow, um, that's really, I would tell her that she can't. Um, she's just not wired, that she can't. I mean, apart from all the things I know now about its toxicity mm -hmm. and the health in implications in that regard, we know a lot more these days. Um, but I would just say to her, you can't do this anymore. You can't accept. I was only telling this to someone the other day. You have to. Acceptance is a is a bitch, but acceptance is absolutely the most freeing thing that you'll ever do. Yes. And once you accept that you are enough without alcohol, you don't need it to fit in. You don't need it to be you. You don't need it to be of value. Because um, guess what? You are already of value. Um, and to have faith in yourself that you can do this. Uh, you, can, you can do this journey of living well and living healthy without the alcohol that you know is making you sick. So, um, and reach out for help because sometimes things are above your pay grade. And you do need some help. I love that. Yep. That's an incredible message. And that's a great place for us to leave it. Lisa, thank you so much. This was awesome. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I, I hope it helps. It, I guarantee you it will. And to those of you listening, thank you very much for being here with us. We'll be back again soon with more Naked Life Stories. If you asked me about the one thing that makes this naked mind so different from anything else, I would have to say emotion. It's the emotion people feel when they're really ready to make a change, when they've had that mindset shift, when they've gone through all the materials and the methodology, and they get this feeling that they're never going to get to drink again, they let that go and they think, oh my gosh, I never have to drink again. That change in emotion. And honestly, according to all sorts of new research, it is emotion, especially positive emotion, more than anything else that predicates how long a change in our behavior will stick and how long it will last. It's emotion. And so 
when you feel excited about a change in your life, when you're thrilled you're making this new different change instead of feeling deprived or like you've been missing out, everything changes. And that's really what makes this naked mind stick for the long term. That's what makes it so different is we focus on how you feel and truly change your emotion around drinking. And if that sounds interesting to you, I want you to check out our self-guided path at nakedmindpath.com. Enrollment in this program is closing on June 11th. So you don't want to miss it. It's closing now. And this is the path to changing your emotion and changing your feelings so that you can really, truly find freedom in your relationship with alcohol. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.